Welcome to the Screamcast episode 147. I am Sean DeRegger and with me is Stephanie Crawford. Hello. Also joining us is Brad Henderson. It's hot in this room. I got to turn my fan on. Hello. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. <sighs> BJ is in, in LA doing LA shit. Uh, if you all didn't know, she got a job with Dread Central. Um, she is out at um, some convention repping it with uh, Dread Central. It's uh, a something. Damn, damn American it. Film Market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. American Film Market. Uh, she's about to do some Dread Central karaoke. So I kind of wish I was there. But um, anyway, she should be joining us soon. I know people have been asking. But um, in the meantime, we will keep the show going. Uh, today on the podcast, we are going to do basically an extended What's on Your Doorstep episode. We've been watching a lot of things. Uh, we try to leave things out so we can kind of get through that segment quickly. Brad, you figured we might as we might as well just do a full on episode and kind of get these backlogs just uh taken care of. Sure. Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for that idea. Cool. I'm excited. I'm super excited. All right. I'm and like, hopefully I'm like beyond thrilled right now. Okay. Perfect. Um Are you thrilled? Yeah. Ecstatic. Ecstatic. Man, it's, I could hear it in your voice. <laughs> All right, and with that, let's jump into what's on your doorstep. Holy cow. I almost forgot. We'll get the door. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, who would like to go first? Maybe you could do like a round table. What do you mean by a round table, Brad? Or round, round, round robin? Is that what round. the old folks call it? Old round sure. robin? One one title each? You're, no, you're never like in a meeting and they're like, okay, round robin. Yeah, whenever we do that, all of us say, got nothing, <laughs> got nothing. Let's get the fuck out of here. Got nothing. <laughs> well, if we did that, then that, then that wouldn't be very good. But yeah, yeah I guess. like the you know, one person one, one, that like has something and we all go, fuck. Yeah, yeah, it's because be like those that. people love meetings. They want to they want to push those meetings over and over. Like our hospital, like the basis of it is meetings. Like it's the most ridiculous things. Like like no joke. I've been in two meetings this year where it's a meeting about having a meeting. <laughs> and like I feel like I'm in some kind of Seinfeld Kirby enthusiasm episode where I'm like yeah. just laughing because I was like does anybody else like realize how ridiculous this is? But it's the corporate people, man. Like, I hate being a corporate person because I have to deal with that shit. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. So let's just maybe go around the table and, you know, that that way. Because I know a lot of us have, like, <laughs> duplicates. And some of us has has seen, you know, each other's films. And yeah. I can't wait to fucking debate certain things. So Okay. All right. So we're going to copy oh. the format you hate at work. Awesome. Yes. Let's go. Yes. Let's do this. I'm going to be super pleasant during this episode, just to let you okay. guys know. I'm like super oh, happy. Oh, man. Now, Brad, <laughs> I, I asked you this. Um, did I did I ever bring up uh, Future Shock, the documentary on the podcast? Um, I don't remember. I don't think I did. I think, I think I'm okay. All right. When did you ask me that? I texted you before the show so I wouldn't sound like a moron asking you on air. 
on, but you know, it's, oh. fine. It, it's fine. I don't you know what's even more moronic is that you didn't actually ask me about Future Shock. You asked me about the Exterminator. Oh yeah, that too. Idiot. I suck. <laughs> um, yes, you did talk about the Exterminator because I said it would. Uh, it's a movie that should be like during that yeah, whole. Um, that's, right. that's right. Okay. The, the, the Charleston thing. I said, man, this would be a good time to, for everybody to watch the Exterminator. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. So, all right, um, all right. Yeah. How's cleaning done? Sorry, everybody. Sorry, you had to sit through that. Uh, so my list is super small. So the round robin's not going to work. So I'll, I'll end up dropping out like halfway through. But that's fine. I, I can. Uh, I'll. I'll uh, try to talk about other things. We can make it fun. 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 All right, here we go. Roast us. I will uh, will start it off. Start off Um, with a joke. I have no jokes right now. (laughs) How about a safety moment? (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody, make sure uh, when you're walking from your car to the office, make sure you're not looking down at your phone or texting and don't hold your – you better not be on the phone and walking at the same time because that can cause a problem, okay? Is that what 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 was that? What, and then they're what, like, "That's my." That's is, that a, is that a character you're working on? Literally, that's like yeah. my office. And then, <laughs> and that, then, but is that a character you're working on, Sean? Is that like a new new like persona? Yeah, like we have a, like yeah. a we have a fifth host now, but it's yeah. that person. Okay. No, that's, I'd that's, like to call out. That's the South today, Park. Okay. <laughs> What'd you say, Steph? I'd like to call out sick today, please. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, is it too late just to like log off the call? Oh man, going through a tunnel. <laughs> and if it's Self-tune. outside, make sure yeah. we're sunscreen. Uh, you know, make sure that happens. All right, all right. Drink all right, a lot so of hydrate, up. everybody. Okay, so uh, the fir- I'll start. So uh, Severin put out. I th- I feel like I mentioned this before or not i can't remember maybe i was talking about it with josh on a segment but uh severin released future shock the story of 2000 ad is a comic book uh out of the uh in great britain near the end of the 70s um and it pushed a lot of boundaries artistically i know that arrow films put this out as well and uh it's a really great documentary even if you hadn't read this comic book just all the interviews um with everyone involved, I believe Neil Gaiman's interviewed, um, Grant Morrison, um, Dave Gibbons, and a bunch of other artists uh, are interviewed in this. It's really great if you're a fan of art and comic books. Uh, they talk a lot about the Judge Dredd comic was kind of came out of that uh, this comic book. So really great documentary if you're into all so- that. Is it like a, a certain line of comics, or is it like an artist? It was it was called the. Uh, 2000 AD. That was the comic, and it was like. All right, you know, so the comic is called 2000 AD. Yeah, and but but it, there was like a bunch of stories in each one. You know what I mean? Kind of like uh, heavy metal, like heavy metal magazine. You know. Okay. Um. So anyway, very you know they were like, it was very punk rock, very like they wanted to go away from you know kind of the mainstream comics and anything went it was, you know sex and violence and and all that stuff. Is this so, like was this in like the nineties, eighties, seventies? No, late seventies, and then it, oh, wow. that's when it came out in the oh. late seventies and through the eighties, and and then like I said, gave birth to Judge Dredd, and Judge Dredd was like a huge deal because it was like you know that character was just um, you know take no prisoners, and just it was just so violent, like to have kind of an antihero like him. But uh, anyway, really cool, like really made me want to kind of track down some of these comics and and, and everything. Um, 
So if you're a fan of that, definitely, uh, yeah, I, I have that doc. Be, I just haven't watched it. Yeah. Yet. It's, it's awesome. And it, you know, anything in like the punk rock spirit, I'm always gonna, gonna give a try. And, um, it's, it's kind of, you know, inspiring documentary it kind of makes me want to pick up a pen and maybe start drawing some shit again. But, um, yeah, you definitely would recommend either the arrow one or the Severn one, whichever one is easiest to get. I would say grab it. Why'd you just brush over that you draw? I, just, I, I, da- I dabbled. Yeah, I dabbled. I, it's one of those things, one of those hidden talents that I need to uh, kind of break out again. You know, so it's one of those things I stopped doing. Yeah. I need to start doing it again. I'm liking yeah. this. We're learning things about each other. Yeah, this is good. I, I had a cartoon strip called Macabre High, and it was a bunch of tattooed and pierced little punk rock guys, kind of going to like a monster school. So hmm. that, how do you feel about Monster High? You know what? Macabre High was before you... Monster High. I was I did it first. I was no one saw say, it. like no you ever look at that and said that should be my money? Yes. You know what <laughs> you, you know what you should do is you should contact Kmart and have a line of Macabre High dolls. Yeah. Cuz Kmart's <laughs> yeah. not doing so hot these days. Right, right, right. And I remember Kmart used to be like the shit. And then like you can't even find a Kmart. And then like Kmart was doing this weird like um like layaway thing or like <laughs> hey put this kayak on like layaway and it's like what like why are you why are you why are you advertised I'm being dead serious dude layaway that. used to be the thing like so many people used to do layaway yeah I just I I just don't get it but yeah. anyways okay all right so that's my first but one I would I would contact Kmart okay we'll do yeah. <laughs> I apologize if you hear snorting and sneezing in the background. My dog basically did a line of dirt in the backyard um, and scared the shit out of everyone. He's been sneezing ever since. So, you know, that's what you'll hear every now and then as I talk. Is that the is that the whining that I hear? Well, they're fighting as usual. Whenever I record now, I got two dogs at my feet fighting. and But now he'll go into like little sneezing spats. So good yeah. times. Nothing but uh, like, nothing but professionalism at the Screamcast. That sounds really fun. <laughs> All right, Steph. What? You go. What? Yeah, or you want me to go? Okay, I'll go. I'll go. Okay, fine. Fine. I'll go. I don't know if I talked about this. I'm like Sean right now. <laughs> um, I uh, watched uh, – I buy a lot of the Eureka titles because I feel like Eureka is like another – like as far as like how awesome Indicator is and uh, Arrow in the UK, I think Eureka is a little like underrated. Um, they do a lot of good work. I mean they have like their HD masters that they do um, here and there, but they did a great uh, scan for uh, Fright Night. Um, and then I got around to watching, this is a weird one to cover, but I remember seeing this when I was little and I haven't revisited, I, there's two, there's two films I remember when I was little, Born Free, which is this one, and then Baby, which I think we talked about before, about the fucking dinosaur. Oh I love that movie God. so much. That was and my I childhood. Had, and I had a movie book based on Baby. It was amazing. Yeah. So there's, there's two <laughs> films I remember watching. Uh, a lot when I was a kid, and one was Baby, and the other one was Born Free, which uh, you know, Born Free is based on a true story. It's uh, um, these um, basically this uh, game warden is forced to kill um, you know the, the uh, lion and lioness that are hunting. You know, just trying to um, what do you call it? Uh, just kind of call back 
um, you know, the, the breeding and how much, because they're starting to, you know, hunt outside their territories. Um, so whenever they, they do that, they, they kill, um, this lion and lioness, and then they realize that there's three cubs that they, um, that are abandoned now because they killed their mom and dad. So, uh, uh, the woman is played by Virginia McKenna. I think that's her name. Um, and she, it feels bad. They both feel bad. So they adopt these three, three baby cubs. Um, and you know, they, they try their best to, you know, they're going to get a little emotionally attached to them. And they realize that, you know, they can't take care of three fucking lions. Um, so they're going to give them away, um, you know, to the zoo, um, but she gets attached to this one that's very playful and, you know, kind of takes to her a little bit. So she kind of feels like a mom because she can't have kids and stuff like that. So she keeps one of the cubs and she raises it. Um, and it's basically just kind of a cute uh, family type thing. You know, the lion gets in at a bunch of shit, um, you know, and causes ruckus. And there's a bunch of other animals on the kind of this outback that they live they live in. Um, kind of like not really a farm, but um, I can't remember where the movie. Uh, just like kind of like like on the coast of Africa, I think is where they are. So it's kind of like beachy resortish but it's also it very much like the cabin in roar if you ever watched that one <laughs> the fucking just lions attack everybody um <laughs> which is the most still one of the most insane movies ever um but anyways it's uh you know just growing up and they realize that once the lion becomes you know a, a, a lion uh, a lioness i can't remember i think yeah it's a lioness um they have to do something because they can't take care of this thing so um it's basically uh setting it setting it free um so it's just that continuation of a story mainly very much like a child um you know how the you know the lion is uh brought into the family so it's very sweet it's very sad it's just like a fun little family movie so uh if you haven't seen it i suggest checking out with your kids it's from the 70s too will it um, make my children cry um no it's not really it's not like that they it's, don't go old um, yeller oh no 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 <laughs> or or um uh that marley marley and me i haven't watched that movie um hey, hey but, kids hey kids come no. watch this movie we're gonna punch you in the gut no, like no, that. it's it's it, no, okay. it's not like that. It's it's trying to get this lion, uh, okay. you know, because they're really they have to release it back in the wild. Very much kind of like what zoos do is they, you know, they they rehabilitate animals and get them prepared. You know, teach them kind of yeah. little hunting skills because this basically this lion doesn't have parents, so they teach it and they prepare it for a release back into the wild rather than putting it in a zoo. But the woman is attached to it because she can't have children. So she looks at it like a child. So it's, you know, like adopting a child because you can't have one and then sending the child off to college. Make sense. There you go. Perfect. Aww. So no, it's just, it's just, it's just a cute family movie, you know, and not, not violent, you know, not like, I mean, it's sad, but in a more happy, happy way. Like when shadow comes over the mountain and homeward bound, Oh, okay. All right. that sounds like the kind of thing I like to watch in the summer. Yeah. So Born Free is definitely a high wreck. Um, you know, it's it's weird because like it's one of those films that I grew up on, but I haven't watched in probably like, you know, like 30 years. 
Meanwhile, well, all the all the hardcore bit, horror listeners are all uh, saying, fuck these guys. Hey, no, hardcore horror <laughs> people like this type of shit, too. I know. Okay, good. Don't put us so. all in a box, Sean. I'm yeah, not, I'm break not out sure. of that box. We're a layered right. people. I do. All right. I mean, my list is very much out of the box, so. Okay. All right, go ahead. Stuff. All right. Um, I will keep the 70s trend going. Yeah. And I just watched this one, um, and I got pretty uh, hepped up about it. It's Jennifer from Ooh. 1978. Yeah, Jennifer's fun. Uh, this was released by Kino and Scorpion, and I grabbed it during the last Kino sale. Because that was a great cover of um, the girl holding up snakes in her fists. And I, it's one of those ones I kept looking at, looking at. Finally, I had to get it. And I'm glad I did. The cover says, makes Carrie look like an angel. <laughs> and that's, that's pretty true, except it's not her. These are some of the most fucked up bullies I've ever seen. <laughs> well, mainly the the lead girl that... Uh, Jennifer herself, she's very sweet. She's a scholarship student um, at her boarding school, uh, but she's local. She lives uh, with her father. They own a pet store. And uh, we find out that she, they used to be in those uh, that snake handling religion. And the father's uh, still pretty tied to it. But Jennifer's like, no, that was fucked up. That was evil. <laughs> And it turned out she was like a, a chosen one, like a child who was really great at snake handling. And he kept he keeps telling her she has a gift. And she's like, no, man, I'm not a snake handler. I'm a regular high school girl. Um, but she's teased because she's poor and she has an accent. And the headmistress is she actually uh, says to a teacher that rich is right. No matter what happens, she always sides with the rich kids. And I started like yanking at my hair because this is uh, I'll go into a little bit of spoilers, but we we get animal torture and murder in this as a bullying tactic. Um, we have like endangerment with nude photography of a teenage girl um, a girl pisses off the main bully so she has her raped I mean when you look at Carrie it, it really is much more intense and uh, Jennifer she's such a sweet character and she's so patient through the whole thing I oh my god it's like the revenge is coming the only, the only reason I can put up with any of this is because the revenge is coming and I think it should have been more drawn out. I, I I think these people should have been tortured quite a bit more, uh, but still paid off. A lot of great snake stunts. Um, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. A lot of people told me it wasn't wow. that great, but if, if you're into 1970s revenge films, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. Yeah, I think people compare it too much like, oh, it's a Carrie ripoff. And it's like, you know, coming for me, I'm not a huge fan of Carrie all that much. And Jennifer's more my speed. Um, yeah, so I was, I've always been a fan of that one. Um, yeah, I agree with you that, you know, it's like the momentum's built up so much. And then once it hits, it's like, man, what, couldn't we make this like 15 minutes longer? You know, um, no, I wanted revenge, to see but... people like flayed alive and then set on fire. <laughs> they, these were the I hated these bullies so much. 
So, but yeah, I, I dig it. Awesome. So All that right. was nice one to follow with the heartwarming animal picture. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> All right. Uh, for Sean's me. Sean's disturbed, it sounds like. No, no, I'm just, I'm just trying to look <laughs> something up here. So um, I recently got, uh, I, I found out that, uh, well, there's a movie called Fubar. It's a Canadian uh, film about these two the metal, kind of metal Canadian movie, metal right? heads. Yeah, yeah, the first one um, deals with uh, our main character. Um, I'm trying to. It's directed by Michael Douse. Trying to like the main character Dean, played by Paul Spence, finds out that he has te- te- testicular cancer, and the whole first one is kind of you know uh, pseudo docu- fake documentary. Uh, what do you call it? Mockumentary, I guess, about his kind of dealing dealing with this testicular cancer journey. Um, and then there's, uh, Fubar 2 that, uh, it, they're back, no longer dealing with the heavy subject of cancer. Um, and, uh, he, but he's playing up the part of like a cancer survivor and trying to like, you know, uh, have that one up his, you know, whatever his career would be. But, you know, he tries to make, <laughs> make that work for him. But, um, don't they have like an oil thing in that one? Like a, it's an oil. Like they have an oil patch. I can't remember. I, 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 I really, I, I can't remember. But um, wait, the movie you just watched, you can't remember? I, what are you I, talking no, about? No, I've seen, I've seen these. I just got these on Blu-ray. I haven't watched Fubar Two in a while. Oh, but both oh, of these okay. come in one set. In the Fubar Two set on the Blu-ray, you get Fubar and Fubar Two. They are, uh, I guess, um, going to be doing a TV series, and I'm not sure exactly where to find it. But anyway, these just, Fubar it just debuted like yesterday. Okay, like anyway. yeah, I don't. I think it's like I think you could watch the first episode online. I haven't watched it yet, but I think it's like can it premiered on like Canadian television. Okay, well, but literally, it just it was just like released like the past couple days. These are fantastic, really funny. Um, I, I don't know, like, if this is underseen. I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how popular, um, this little series is, but I, I want to just recommend it because, um, this really makes me laugh, you know, and these, these two characters are, you know, uh, Dean and Terry are just, oh, dog, get off. Yeah, I think the first dog's biting through my, uh, headphones. I think the first film was uh, semi, like, kind of a cult favorite. Yeah. Um, when the second one came out, I don't think too many people paid attention. But, um, yeah, they're they're both – I've seen both movies, and they're, it's been a while since I've yeah. seen them because one's, like, early 2000s, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, the first one is great. And, that like, like I said, you just saw, like, with this second one, I can't remember as much, but I – you know, but I remember more of the first one. The first one, you know – is, is the better one. Um, but I mean, but these characters are kind of what makes these films, especially Paul Spence as Dean, this guy, this little mustache, the long hair, they're, they're into metal. Um, they, they talk with the, that, uh, Canadian, you know, the good old, they, they make, you know, they make that Canadian, uh, accent work for sure for their characters. Um, dogs, Jesus Christ. Just, so, just throw them outside the room. Oh my god! I try, and then they come to the door, and then they scratch at the freaking door. My dogs. Mm. 
are ridiculous. Anyway, give Fubar a shot if you haven't seen it. I'm sure I know it was streaming for a while, but um, this Blu-ray was pretty tre- was pretty cheap, and it comes with both of them. And I'm curious if any of you have else have seen the series and you know where we can find it. I know it's on Canadian television. I'm hoping that we can find it here in the states. Uh, if anyone has any information on that, please let us know. But give these flicks a shot, especially the first one, uh, the first Fubar. Giver. Yeah. Cool. Giver, eh? Cool. Cool. Um, all right. I guess uh, I'll go. Let's see here. Um, so John Leonetti has made some not so great films in his life. I know people like the Annabelle movies, but I still can't get into them because I don't, I don't know how hard, how hard it is to make a fucking scary movie about a doll. But, um, he apparently, I just, I can't get into Annabelle films. He, he originally, um, he's a great cinematographer, John Leonetti's been like every film that you've probably like. I mean, you've watched a film that's shot by him for sure. He's he's been the DP on countless movies. He's got a great eye, um, but whenever he's in the director's chair, he just seems that he can't pull it off. Um, he started with uh, the most. This is one of the reasons why I hate him so much is because. I was a big Mortal Kombat fan when I was little. So when the movie came out in like 95, I was like 11. I was fucking stoked. I was so excited. You know, the movie's whatever. It's there. It's fine. It's not bad. It's not great. But, you know, it's a serviceable, serviceable you know, movie, especially uh, coming from kind of the video game aspect, video game in the movies. Mortal Kombat's at least one of the ones that, you know, at least stays true to the game. And it's a fun, fun little movie. The sequel, however, is directed by John Leonetti, <laughs> which is one of the worst things I think has ever been made. Like Mortal Kombat Annihilation is fucking terrible. <laughs> it's like it's it's so, like it's really fun to watch with people just because like when I saw it in theaters, I was like, oh, man, all these cool like they he, at least he added characters into the show or the movie. Because it was just, you know, fucking barrage of fucking characters coming at you from the game. But only for some reason, they only lasted like on screen for like five seconds and then they met their demise, which was just so silly. But anyways, so then he uh, did uh, a follow up to a film that I'm a a fan of, The Butterfly Effect. I I found The Butterfly Effect a a, a decent movie. Uh, He did the sequel to it, which is not very good um then he got the job for annabelle well between uh annabelle and annabelle 2 he made this movie called wolves at your door um so this is uh one of the more recent releases uh, of course like this came out like on vod right before um uh, annabelle 2 hit theaters and i finally got around to it um i actually didn't know anything about it i just i just knew that he made this movie called wolves at your door it's a home invasion movie um, so I put it in and it's starting and I was like, oh shit, this is the fucking Sharon Tate murders. So he makes a, a film about that entire night about Sharon Tate and her, her friends that were attacked by, um, you know, part of the Manson family, um, that murder, they were murdered that night. Pretty terrible thing that happened. But, um, you know, it's not, I enjoyed the movie for what it was uh, for me personally, it's kind of hard to get into movies when I know what's going to happen. Like, you know, we're watching these characters fight through the night and it's like, you're going to die. 
You know, I, I don't know. There's a part of me, you know, it's like the Lincoln movie. You know what's going to fucking happen to Lincoln. You know, it's it's just like, you know, I and if you're not if if you're going to take a story that's been that's well known as a filmmaker, a screenwriter, you need to make it interesting or you need to Tarantino it like an in Inglorious Bastards where it's just like, wait. Is Tarantino going to do what I think he's going to do? Holy shit, he's fucking doing it, and he changes fucking history. Like that's pretty cool, you know. Only, but I only think Tarantino could possibly get away with that. Um, so, Wolves at Your Door kind of stay. It's it's a very nice aesthetic. It's you can feel that it's from the seventies. Um, it looks good. Um, it's very intense, um, which I I enjoy. This is definitely by far his best film. But uh, the only thing about it, it's not interesting it's just a home invasion movie where the ending's spoiled for you mm. like then that's that i think that's the thing where i was like watching it, i was like man this is really good but like it's not any like twist or turns it's not interesting visually um you know we don't really have any interesting characters we just have these characters that we you know we like and then we just watch them meet their demise. But it's it's not a bad movie. And what really works, though, and I have to give John Leonetti some credit here, is he doesn't waste a second of screen time. I want to say this movie's clocked at 72 minutes, but the movie's only 63 minutes. Like wow. it happens so quick, and that's what I really enjoyed. It's very fast paced in that aspect. He doesn't linger on anything. He doesn't linger on characters to like give him hope. Um, there's a couple things that happen in the movie where it's like, well, that's not what happened in real life, but at least it kind of keeps it interesting. It's nothing extreme to where it like you know alters the history of what happened. But you know, it's 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 fine if you want a, a quick. A quick movie that's uh, you know intense, and if you don't know the Manson murders too well, um, you know it's. Uh, and they also at the end they have a lot of uh, they have uh, excerpts from Manson what he said, and it makes the movie very haunting. They should have opened it with it, I think, because it would have made it more sinister. Um, with 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 this, I, I think they they uh, blew their load at the end, which they should have blew their load in the beginning. That type of thing. So. Um, anyways, yeah, watch it. It's definitely John Leonetti's best film. And, you know, like I said, visually, um, it's, it, he doesn't do anything very interesting, but visually it has a nice aesthetic. Like you really feel this movies in the seventies. Um, uh, and I, I think that flows very well. Now I'm starting to think did John Leonetti direct Annabelle two or no, was I, I, no. was, I, was I shitting on Annabelle two for no reason? Maybe. <laughs> Who I've directed? heard Annabelle Creation is actually pretty good. I, I want to watch it. Oh, but, but it's the guy was, that directed Lights Out. The yeah, guy that he directed Lights Out. David F. Sandberg, he directed uh, Lights yeah, Out. Yeah. All right, so Which I like the idea of Lights Out and the execution, yeah, Anna, but I didn't like that movie. Yeah. Annabelle is not good. So. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. is like, you know, uh, at least in, in, in Annabelle – uh, when they do, it's funny because they kind of do like a Manson thing too, which I thought was pretty interesting. Like the cult that is uh, in 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 the beginning of the film in Annabelle. Uh, you're familiar with the? No one saying anything. I fell asleep during the first Annabelle, so oh. I, well, anyways, I absolutely thought it was boring. 
Yeah, no, it's a very boring movie, but they have this very cultish Manson type thing going on, which I thought was pretty funny, being that that's, you know, what he was doing afterwards. So I wonder if there's like any, you know, he, you know, he, he was definitely thinking about both films at the same time, um, work, working with that. So anyways, but yeah, it's, it's fine. It's a fine movie. A quick question about it. Um, because it's based on real people and a real event. Uh, is it more from the victim's perspective or the Manson family or more of a third person? No, it's, it's definitely from, it's actually not the, the star isn't Sharon Tate. Um, the character, um, it's not, it's like, she's in it, but I mean, obviously, but it's more focused on her friend that she invited over that night. So it kind of follows her because she like came to like L.A. to be an actress and it's not really working out. So she wants to go back home, but her boyfriend doesn't want her to. So it's mainly focused on that couple. And then, you know, um, Sharon Tate's just the one where the house is happening. She's fun. You know, she's bubbly. And then um, but no, most of the Manson family is like they're really creepy um, every time they're they're uh, You know, the way they're lit it's very dark and sinister looking. Um, whenever the the actors and friends are on screen, um, the, you know it's very vi- uh, vibrant and bright. Um, so it's it's a very unique kind of uh, choice of lighting between the two. Like uh, I, that's that's where I think Leonetti is actually has a strong point. Um, but yeah, the the film's mainly focused on them. It's uh, the Manson family's definitely the the slashers, the stalkers in the film, which we don't get any information on them. They're just they just okay. show up as killing people. So yeah, with uh, like more bio biographical movies, like you're talking about, one way I think filmmakers can kind of bring something new to it is uh, like really pack in the empathy. Yeah. Um, so I was just wondering if they were going that way. And another thing, it wasn't exploitive too. Like that's another thing I think you have to be careful about. Cause if you're, you know, I'm really into true crime and stuff like that. So I like, I really dive in and get into the sick stuff. Um, so it's, it's not dragged out like how the murders actually happened. They're very tame because I think they didn't want, you know, we're talking about a true crime here. That was a really terrible thing. I mean, a fucking Sharon Tate was like, you know, uh, was doing like two weeks when she was murdered with her kid, you know, while, uh, even though Polanski's a piece of shit, you know, uh, Polanski was, couldn't make it that night. So if Rowan Polanski was actually at that house that night, he would have, uh, probably died, uh, which is kind of insane to think as, uh, you know, kind of that, um, you know, as a person like Polanski's like got to think about that. Like he was, wasn't able to like get it back home in time because, uh, I don't know if people, you know, listeners, but that was Polanski's wife that, uh, that was murdered. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, kind of a heavy thing is like a, almost like a survivor's guilt. I think in a way you could have, like, uh, even though Polanski's a terrible person, um, we came to find out years, years later, um, is still kind of a heavy, heavy hitter, but it isn't another thing. They don't focus that on at all. They don't ever mention it, which I thought was pretty uh, unique and um, a good move. So, but anyways, yeah, it gets a little dark. Sean, are, are you there? Yeah. Do you want to, <laughs> do you want to talk about a movie or Steph wants to talk about a movie? Is it Steph's turn? 
It is, she, but she Brad wants to skip over me. I know. Oh, I guess whoa, we're whoa, laying whoa. the cards on the table. Steph, Steph is after whoa. you, Brad. <laughs> wow. Wow. Son of a bitch. All right, yeah. Stephanie, what do you got? Oh, so sorry. I will go to the Criterion Collection. Oh. Yeah, I have my pinky up. Uh, they, I'm, well, okay, hold on. I, let me grab a Perrier. Okay, yes. <laughs> Is this a flavored one? Of course. Okay, good. No, you would. We're at the time of the year where Barnes & Noble is doing one of their 50% off sales. And Criterion just did another flash one. That's pretty much the only time I buy them. I mean, I love them, but, you know. Uh, so I picked up the Lure, which uh, I heard some good and interesting things about, but I didn't actually know much about it. Um, but as I was reading about it... Uh, the musical aspect, a horror aspect, and mermaids. I don't know what my alley looks like, but that's <laughs> up it. That's totally uh, <laughs> turns my head as well. Yes, yes, it's a Polish film, um, and it's set in the 1980s. And there are these uh, two girls, um, and they're kind of brought into kind of a burlesque strip club that is interesting and gimmicky and they have like lounge singers and we find out that they're mermaids and everyone's like wow mermaids but it's more like oh wow someone has an extra toe rather than holy shit mermaids exist (laughs) so right away it it sets a tone that we're kind of totally in an alternate reality and I kind of hate talking about movies like this because I could list out a lot of unusual things that happen in it. And I don't want to take away from the impact of the film because they they sound kind of bonkers by themselves. And I don't want to sound like they've just been like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Um, it's very unusual, but it's. I ooh, it's a beautiful film. It it kind of just floats into whatever genre it feels like. The musical aspect, it's um I don't know, it almost made me kind of think of the fan in the way, even though they're actually singing. Um it it just felt very organic. I just made a mermaid swimming motion with my arms and I said <laughs> organic. I saw by it. The way. I, fe- I felt the aura Good. of a mermaid swimming just now. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a beautiful film. Uh, the actors are wonderful. Um, you could call the mermaid thing a gimmick. You could call the musical aspect a gimmick. But um, the characters are very well drawn out. Um, I loved all the re- relationships. Is very complex. There was a fairy tale aspect. Um, well, a very strong fairy tale aspect, but I like it when they uh, kind of like magical realism when they kind of bring that into the everyday. How would a fairy tale play out, um, you know, in a workplace? Let's say um, this was wonderful. Uh, I love it when I get a blind buy like this, and it really works out. Um, so I would recommend it if you're very open minded. <laughs> and I, and I don't mean that in a snooty way. I mean this it's a journey. And um there's a lot of dreamlike aspects. Not everything's explained. 
uh, it follows more with the heart than the head. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's gorgeous and it's completely original. So that awesome. was a I, very happy purchase. Awesome. I uh, I completely agree with you. If uh, Steph, you need to... Let me see if this movie is available. If you like Delora, you're going to love... Um, Let's see. It's called uh, Liza, uh, the Fox Fairy. Okay. Um, and it's a – I can't remember what uh, country it's from. It's one of those things that it's not – I don't It's don't think it's ever been released over here, but you can get it like on DVD and it has English subs. But it's very um, – it's very lure-ish like as far as like kind of uh, – the tone and the comedic aspect of the film. Um, but yeah, I think the Laura is definitely an audience pleaser, no matter what genre of movies that you love. And that's your thing. Even if you hate horror, don't like horror, don't like musicals. I still think the Laura has something that everybody can enjoy. See, so. someone mentioned they were at um, a film festival that was screening it and people actually walked out. And after watching that, that really surprised me because I kind of had, you know, I try to watch a movie with a very clear mind. But in the back of my head, I'm like, OK, <laughs> I'm going for a part where I think people may walk out. And I mean, especially looking at the poster, I kind of couldn't figure it out. Yeah, it played a fantastic fest and it was extremely well received there. So, yeah, I don't understand what group of people would walk out like. Um, but that's like that is the definition of fantastic fest. So is a film like The Lure that tell that is everything Fantastic Fest in a nutshell. So, but anyways, yeah, I suggest you check it out too. It's a good release. Kind of interesting that Criterion picked it up too. I thought that was a a smooth move. Their contemporary films they pick up. I I think they uh, do a very very good job of uh, combing through those. So. Because uh, they also released Personal Shopper in October, mm, and I thought yeah. that was a, you know, that movie is my total jam. That's everything. So. And this has uh, two short films by the director too. Uh, directed by a woman too. Yep. Which is awesome. Yeah. So. I'm not going right. to insult her by trying to pronounce her name though. Yeah, that's. A, <laughs> I, I let Sean do that. Yeah. Sure. Um, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> so what you got sean all right uh i got your favorite movie of the year to talk about brad um matt what reeves is- has taken the reins of uh from oh, rise boy. of the planet of the oh, apes oh boy. <laughs> so uh i'm going to talk about war for the planet of the apes and i absolutely loved it i love what matt reeves has done with this series uh, the first one, Rise for the Planet of the Apes, was directed by oh god, I can't remember. This guy that directed that. The Escapist. Yeah, it's um, the guy that directed The Escapist. I can't think of his name. It's um, uh, oh uh, Rupert Wyatt. Yeah. So Matt Reeves took the director reins uh, for the next one, uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and now uh, War for Planet of the Apes, and um. Like, I never thought that I would feel, like, empathy for CG, you know, creatures and, like, the artistry that's going in to first kind of go on this journey with Caesar uh, played or motion captured, I guess, by Andy Serkis. And you really kind of go on this journey 
Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I feel like is a strong film in its own right, where you kind of get to know his motivations on wanting to kind of lead these apes and, and, you know, uh, to, to, to freedom and, and everything. So then you get to war from Planet of the Apes, which is, it's a war film, but they also bring in kind of the prison escape film. Um, and, uh, that movie is a fucking prison escape film all the way through. There's no fucking (laughs) war. There's no war in war of Planet of the Apes, which is fine. Like it, it it, it, it opens up, with a pretty fantastic battle scene, you you get you kind of see like uh, these other apes have joined up with the humans to kind of be there. They call them their donkeys. Um, this that that world building alone of like the humans are kind of on the last stand. They know that possibly they're gonna be they're gonna become extinct. There's this virus that is you know taking away their speech and and everything else. Um, they meet another ape along the way who's like a, a, he's from a zoo voiced uh, and performed captured by Steve Zahn, which is a pretty great um, blend of comic relief, but also like there's some empathy there, like with his character and then Worst there's this character uh, ever. little <laughs> geez. and uh, the little girl, I don't know who um, Nova played by Amaya Miller. And I think she does a great job because she doesn't speak through the whole film and you kind of, she emotes a lot through her eyes. So I thought this movie was great. I was happy that it wasn't a full-on just war movie. I liked the journey aspect of it. I liked the prison escape uh, parts of this film. So I thought, you know, um, as a trilogy, I think that this works. Any If it goes past here, which I feel like they're going to do, I don't know if they can continue kind of this emotional journey. It's going to get more science fiction-y and, you know, it'll, it'll go – different place but i can't but i can't believe that that this film was even made you know these films were made in kind of like matt reeves me either <laughs> matt reeves kind of got to do what he wanted to do the soundtrack or the, the score is just incredible um um by uh i'm having a brain blank on his name uh giacchino um you don't and, know that uh, name he he did this. He's done the. He did the Rogue One score. He did Up. He did uh, Michael Giacchino. He's he's really he's a really good composer. So mm. as as a, the third film, like I feel like these are three very strong films. I think that it takes this journey of Caesar through to a satisfying end. Um, the artistry of the the motion capture, the digital effects, me actually connecting with these apes. I thought it was a really well done film. Uh, and I think it's a strong entry in this series, and uh, I adored it. It's probably one of my f- top films of the year. Oh my god! Yeah. So, every, every, so Brad, what didn't you like about War for the with, Planet of the Apes? Yes, it out. Let, let me let me um, <laughs> let me preface that by saying that Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and I well, let me preface that by also prefacing that I do not like any of the Planet of the Apes films. Um, at all other than Rise and Dawn. Like, everything before then, I just, I can't get into them. I don't think they're very good. Um, I, I haven't attempted all the old films, but I've seen, like, two of them. Uh, I've seen fucking Tim Burton's awful uh, piece of shit. And have so, you seen uh, Stop the Planet of the Apes, I Want to Get Off? The musical? <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> uh, so well, That sounds amazing. Uh, it's the Simpsons. 
when when Rise came out, I was very apprehensive about it just because I'm not into those. Um, but after seeing Rise, I thought Rise was one of the best movies I saw that year. It was I think it was in my top ten. I, I believe it was in my I listed in my top ten for like Pop Shifter or whatever I was doing at the time. I thought it was absolutely amazing. Uh, so I was really excited about Dawn, and Dawn came out, and I thought that was again that was another film that hit my top ten in 2014. Um, so I was very very pumped about War of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, War of the Planet of the Apes, it's just it's I feel it's just a clusterfuck. It doesn't know where it wants <laughs> to go. Um, it has no direction whatsoever. Um, there is there's. Did you we fall asleep built, during it? I think no, you fell asleep during it. No, no, I was I was <laughs> in the theater. Um, so like, um, I was, I was wanting so much out of it because we, we follow, you know, Maurice, we follow, we follow Rocket, we follow Caesar, you know, we, you know, these emotional characters, uh, through these apes, you know, that we, we connect with, we feel, you know, sympathy for, um, they deserve more than this as far as storytelling uh it, it it's this really like goofy like prison breakout movie with this awful new uh ape played by steve zahn who's like one of the worst people <laughs> in the world to begin with so like we have this oh man that takes away everything from the film he has maybe one laugh but like it takes it took out the energy of the film because of the comic relief we don't have any comic relief Pretty much in the first and second film, other than maybe like funny things that might happen, like uh, like ironic stuff. But well, I think they, they, like- they had to because Caesar is like so hardened and so like he has no. But that's, that's what makes the movie that that's what gives it the drive. We're we're watching we're watching a a, a race. You know, at this point, like a different race of apes, yeah. Um, you know, realize that you know they're being imprisoned, that they're being you know tortured, and Caesar is able to communicate, and he creates a wonderful relationship with a human, and um, is able to be a teacher, and 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 has this amazing bond with these characters, and we have so many great characters as apes. Um, but they, they just, they deserve more, you know, Wardy, Wardy Harrelson is fine. He, he's, he's a great villain in the film, but everything like it for the beginning of the film's fine. But once it kind of just, it, it goes into, um, uh, I don't want to be spoil. I can't really do any spoilers cause the film's newer, mm-hmm. but once, um, uh, winter is exposed, the one ape mm-hmm. and you find out what's happening with winter and all of that. Once it actually goes into uh, what happens with Caesar, that's when the film fall ap- falls apart because you're thinking, holy shit, having Caesar just deal with all of this and then it just amounts to basically nothing um, as as far as the story's told. You know, I mean, Caesar gets what he needs, but I just feel that we've carried this journey with these apes and the, it's just as far as like a screenwriting and director's perspective, you just you just kind of shit on these characters and you didn't give them redemption. You didn't give them what they've actually fought for. Not that that's always deserved in film. Um, you know, not everybody gets what they want, but the turn the, the, it's so hard without spoiling the film. Um <laughs> With the outcome of these characters, like 
during the finale, you know, with Rocket, with Maurice, um, you know, with, uh, you know, the images of what's, uh, you know, haunting, uh, uh, Caesar being haunted by Koba, um, mm. all, all of this, all of this stuff, it just amounts to basically nothing for them. Um, and there's something there. That's, that's what I get pissed off about. I was like, wait, no, there is that redemption. There is that, but they just, they just don't show it. And there's just it. It has all this momentum built up for these first two films, and this film just falls flat on its fucking face. Wow, um, I I disagree. And I don't. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a ba- a bad film. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm saying as far as like carrying this film on, you know, the, the shoulders of of these apes for the first two films. This film is just complete fucking bore fest. <laughs> Like, and the, and the people, and, and the thing was, is that, um, I was in the theater, I was with some friends and I was with Willow and, um, I just kept my mouth shut. I was like, <laughs> I know what's going to happen is that they're going to turn to me and Brad, what did you think of this? Um, and I was quickly relieved by at least three people that we were with said, nope, that movie sucked. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. So I'm not the only one. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it's, 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 All right. it's not well, very, whatever. Very good. Well, Brad, would you say that you hate every ape you see from chimpanzee to chimpanzee? <laughs> wow. That is, that is some step with the jokes. Right there That's from the musical people learning. <laughs> Showing the player. All right. Well, if you're a fan of war, from the planet of the apes uh they there's some pretty great special features on here about the making of the score uh it's great to see matt reeves uh his enthusiasm and passion for these films uh there's a pretty great audio commentary i dug into everything all the special features of this i ate this thing up uh i love it so much and uh for me it's probably one of the most perfect trilogies i've seen in a long time so all right. <clears throat> Save that for the Dark Knight. Oh, God. Merchandising idea. Everybody see the movie, and then you can get a Team Sean or a Team Brad pen <laughs> with a monkey on it. Think about it. There you go. All right, Brad. What do you got? Um. All right. Let's see here. I picked up um, – I wanted to talk about this movie again since we we're talking about um, you know that Criterion sale that fucking broke me. Um. <laughs> So I, I picked up uh, too many uh, DVDs, uh, Blu-rays, um, but I, I got around to watching a couple. I wanted to rewatch this one because it's very short. Um, I saw this at South by Southwest, um, and I just wasn't prepared for it. Um, it's the documentary about uh, David Lynch called The Art Life. Um, I enjoyed it a lot more the second time around just because I didn't – I thought we were going to see – um, a documentary about David Lynch, which we do. However, David Lynch is technically directing this documentary himself. You can you can tell he is um, – David Lynch I think is the only person that can get away with saying, hey, look at me. This is what I've done. I'm David Lynch. I can do what I want. And it'd be funny and not pretentious. Um, that's the thing with David Lynch. I can – uh, love about him because certain directors, certain film filmmakers, there is this pretentious side to them where it's just like, ugh, 
you know, you're full of yourself, be quiet, just make movies. Um, but David Lynch um, embraces his weirdness, and that's what I love about him. He knows that uh, – he knows what he's doing. He knows that he is weird. He likes weird shit. If you don't like it, he doesn't really care. He's not out to be successful. He's out to do what he loves. That is his – uh, weird movies, his weird paintings, and that's kind of what this documentary uh, um, uh, follows. It's basically him and his life now, having a little kid, uh, being a painter, smoking and drinking coffee, um, and just kind of doing whatever he wants. I mean, he's did the, the Twin Peaks, uh, you know, uh, revival. Um, and then uh, one of the, the best David Lynch moments is um, one of his dear friends through life was Harry Dean Stanton, who passed away earlier this year. Um, Harry Dean Stanton has a movie coming out very soon, and I suggest you all watch it, called Lucky. Um, and uh, David Lynch plays Harry Dean Stanton's best friend in the film. Um, and it's just, and it is just it is just great. Because it's really David Lynch playing himself with his best friends, um, and uh, it's just it's just a, a beautiful movie with Harry and Dean Stanton. But anyways, the the art life focuses, like I said, on on Lynch and his weirdness, and um, I, I I really really dug it because of um, because. I don't know. It's just one of those things where you have to watch because, like I said, he's he's so good at what he does as far as art goes um, that he can kind of do whatever he wants. I know that's very repetitive what I just said, but um, you know, and also with his son, which I actually skipped over that. The director of Lucky is actually David Lynch's son, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, so yeah, pick it up. If it tells you anything, a quote from the film, um, David Lynch went to go see Bob Dylan. Um, and in the documentary, he's talking about it. And, um, he said he didn't like Bob Dylan's music and he got up and he walked out of the concert and, um, his friend said, you can't walk out on Dylan. And he says, I can fucking walk out on Dylan. And he exits. And it, that, that sums up David Lynch for, for anybody, if you're unfamiliar with his work. Um, that's just the type of person he is. And um, watching this a second time, knowing what I'm getting into, because um, I thought we're going to, oh, we're going to watch you know a documentary about David Lynch from the time he was little till, he, till he's older, which you do get. But it's very invasive with Lynch controlling what you see and you hear, um, and David Lynch just loving himself. So, yeah, I, I, I suggested it's 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 one of the cheaper Criterion um, titles, just because um, it's produced by Janus Films, I believe. So that's the reason why it's on the label. Um, you know, it's uh, I, not too many times you get uh, documentaries from um, Criterion. Um, but when they do release them, like something like George Washington or, um, you know, a camera person, uh, there's a lot going on with the docs. And I think there's a lot going on with this one. So a any fan of Lynch or even if you like one of his movies, I think you'll really like the documentary. So Very that's awesome. it. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I, think, I agree I think with you. Like, like in the least 
he's a true artist. I mean that in the least pretentious way possible. Like yeah. there are filmmakers who I think are just brilliant, but he's one of the few that his point of view uh, and his control is so strong that I, I think he literally can't function any other way. It's just pure art. Like even from things that kind of piss people off, like not allowing chapter stops <laughs> for his films on a lot of his discs. Even like little yeah. things like that. Just yeah. I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah. And you don't question David Lynch, is that that's the other thing I like about it. And it was, like I said, he's the only person to get away with this like pretentious persona, but it doesn't affect anything. Like I, I laugh at it. It's like the uncle that's the worst uncle ever, but it's just uncle that he can get away with what he's doing because that's just him. That's how David Lynch is. I think he just does whatever he wants and get away with whatever he wants. And it's just, Oh, that's just David Lynch. This is how he is. It's totally cool. <laughs> well, so. he's not an asshole. And that's, he? yeah, that's the other thing. He's not, no, he's not. I've and never I, heard that about him. Yeah. That's, that's what works. I mean, I, I don't know behind the scenes, like if someone would argue with him, Hey, let's do this instead. But I don't think anybody would because you, if you had the opportunity to work with Lynch, you know, I, I don't think any editor for Inland Empire said, hey, maybe we should make this not four hours long. <laughs> you know, it was like David Lynch wants this every second in this movie. Let's fucking do it. You know, so anyways. All right, Sean or Steph. Die. Wow. Wow. Again. wow. wow. Okay. What a bastard. I am a terrible, <laughs> terrible person. <laughs> You get to talk about a movie you hate, then you get to talk about David Lynch. Okay. Yeah. I can't so wait to hear what you talk about. What do you have, Steph, so I can not shit on it? Yeah, okay. Well, I'll I'll take <laughs> David Lynch torch, uh, run it to Kyle McLaughlin and with the hidden. Okay. Yeah. Highly anticipated. Oh, the Warner Archive finally released it uh, to a lot of excitement. Um, and it's not super packed, but it does have a commentary. And uh, this, uh, I was always ashamed because this was one, uh, like a lot of films I would read about in Fangoria and kind of imagine in my mind. And then I think I saw ugh, 35 minutes of it on Cinemax or HBO at one point. And I never followed through on it. <laughs> I felt terrible about it. So I I pre-ordered this. I got it right away. And it, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this knows that it completely lives up to its reputation. Uh, it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, it, it, you know, it has everything. It, you know, you have your, your gore, but you have your buddy cop and you have your sci-fi. Um some metal? Yes. And a <laughs> <laughs> you know, possessed dog. You got everything, man. It's great. Yeah, it's it's one of those movies that really has a lot of charm to it as far as like a horror film goes. Um, and a lot of times you don't get that with horror sci-fi, but it's very charming with the care, uh, you know, the two characters between Nori and McLaughlin um, just kind of working off one another. There's some great buddy cop moments in there um yeah and it's it's got a, just a great soundtrack it's got great one-liners 
Um, it's one of the one movies that my mom still quotes. Um, my mom quotes the movie all the time and she'll do it too. Like whenever we're hanging out or, you know, it's like, you know, cause she'll come over and watch movies with me every once in a while. Like for both off work, uh, she'll come over and we'll watch like two or three movies and like, we'll go get pizza and like, um, she'll just look and she'll go, give me the keys. And that's her, that's her, uh, you know, uh, working off, you know, one of the one-liners in there um, from the hidden. So yeah, it was one of the very first movies I remember. Like my mom, like just adoring. Like she fucking loves this movie so much, um, which is pretty badass. So, anyways, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was I was really happy to see it because um, I had that DVD for so long. Um, and then um, you know, you know, a movie that gets shit on a lot is The Hidden Two, and I always, oh, I always, I always like The Hidden Two. Um, but yeah, a lot of people just don't know because it's one of those movies that just kind of got released. It came out, you know, like, uh, probably about five, six years later. Um, and then it hit VHS and I think it might be on DVD, but it just, it kind of got lost in the mix. But, um, yeah. So is that your first time watching it? Like in its entirety from the Blu-ray disc? Yeah, truly watching it, yeah. Oh, man, I envy you so much. Wow. I don't know, because you have your cool pizza mom quoting no. stories. And yeah, I yeah, want yeah. her to have a sticker on the front of movies <laughs> like this instead of those stupid Rotten Tomatoes ones. Brad's <laughs> yeah. mom approved. Yeah, so, yeah, it's it's in the cool thing was is I actually, um, you know, I, I watched it with um, Willow not that long ago um, before this the bl- Blu-ray came out or whatever. Um, and I told Willow, I was like, hey, this is one of Grandma's, like, favorite movies. And she knows that Grandma's pretty wild at times. So, um, you know, she's watching it. And it was, it was so amazing because within, like, 15 minutes – um, Willow turns to me and she goes, Oh, he's an alien. And I was like, <laughs> wait, what? Like, how the fuck did you pick that up? I mean, there are like hints all through like little subtle hints, but I just remember like, you know, even watching the movie again <laughs> and again, I would kind of c- tend to forget that. Um, but you know, Willow picked up on it like, and she goes, Oh, because he said this and this, he's got to be an alien. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool that you could pick that up. I mean, yeah, Will is smart and she's 12. But, you know, for something that was, you know, kind of uh, no pun intended hidden as far as the as, you know, a, a kind of a, a thing in the film, um, you know, Willow kind of blew me away with uh, picking that up. Because even as an adult, I'd probably watch it and not pick it up. So anyways, I'm glad she's there with you for the coming invasion. <laughs> because it is coming. <laughs> so yeah, watch the hidden two though, Steph. It's uh, I think you would. Uh, I will. In fact, you got to get a kick out of it. And I think one of the like the lead character's name is McLaughlin, which I thought. Was <laughs> oh, really cool. yeah, that's cute. Yeah, yeah. They just did it to the the whole movie is like homage to the first film, so you could really tell. That the, oh, that the she Wolf of did. London is in it. I'm seeing it. Who is it? She, Kate Hodge. Oh yeah, and she, she was plays, a London. Um, that show is amazing. Yeah, she, <laughs> so I'm definitely going to see it. Yeah, she was in um, Leatherface too. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre oh, three, I think. Yeah, the third one. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, fun, fun, fun little movie. So. It's confusing when you say 
Leatherface 2. <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Sorry. Hey, Sean, start talking. Right. Yeah, talking. yeah. No, it's fine. Um, <laughs> we probably won't talk too long about this one either. But um, <laughs> curiosity, uh, especially with shark movies, always gets the best of me. And I knew going in that 47 meters down was probably not a good movie. Um, but I am a sucker for shark movies. I will pretty much give everyone a shot if I can. This is directed by Johannes Roberts, um, who says he is a scuba enthusiast, um, but he gets pretty much everything wrong about scuba diving in this film about scuba diving. Man, fucking... Sean's throwing shade at the director. (laughs) Yeah, because the whole premise of this film is these two sisters get trapped at the bottom, 47 meters down at the bottom of the ocean um, in a shark cage. They have, are supposed to be dialoguing with each other through the entire film um, in these special masks that are supposedly have radio frequency. That's how they communicate. Um, However, there is nothing covering their ears at all through the entire film. Like, there's no way they could hear each other, like, at all. Like, it, then there's no explanation how they can communicate. Um, they're even, their voices echo, like, through caves. Like, it'll show them at the bottom of the ocean, and they're talking, and you hear an echo. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> I like when Sean doesn't like something. But this is like, <laughs> other than that, like, this is a pretty serviceable serviceable kind of shark film. Like, they're not in it that much, but it's, you know, stuck at the bottom. Like, um, oh, yeah, and decompression, like, there's no way. Like, if you really went down that fast, 47 meters down to the bottom, your basically ears would explode and your eyeballs would probably explode from the pressure. They're fine. But a I watch, actually, a watch doesn't make it. Yeah. I just wa- I just looked up the director's other work, and everything you're saying makes sense. <laughs> because someone gave him a lot of money, and they must not have seen his other films. I I dislike a lot of this guy's uh, this like guy's what? Film. Like what? Uh, Storage twenty four. Um, a lot of numbers. I don't like it. I'm with you. Um, yeah, Storage twenty four. Um, Roadkill, which has the um, uh, Stephen Ray from it, but yeah, it's just it's this weird like uh, I- Irish like monster movie. It's so bad. And then um, this I have this on Blu-ray. It's called F. But when it was released in the U.S., it was called uh, The Expelled. It was trying to be like a slasher, and it's just mm. yeah, it's just not good. I've seen some yeah. of his other movies too. Um, yeah. The other side yeah. of the door was his big movie uh, like um, last year. That yeah. was. Uh, popular so yeah i mean it's this movie's it's like the fact that they get these like things so wrong like is so distracting because if they would have like i'm just thinking to myself like all right if they would have put something over their ears like in the avengers like they obviously have nothing in their ears but they touch their ears like oh maybe there's something inside their ear when they're all talking and flying around like somehow they can communicate like You'll see Captain American put it, put his hand to his ear and you're like, oh, he has a calm. Like there's nothing in this explaining that at all. So if they would have just put like a cheap plastic thing over maybe one ear, I don't know. 
Like, are you excited about 48 meters? Down? No, man, you don't even know. Totally. <laughs> I like it when he's mad too. No, that's he's actually that's, that's really happening. Like they're making no, a he's making a sequel. This made a lot of money. Um, I'm and you know what's crazy about it though? Do you know the history of the release of this movie? Did you were you aware of that? So this movie no. got DVD release um, like early, early, like late 2016, 2017, and it hit shelves. And then a week later, it was pulled, and they made a theatrical release out of it. So this movie, like, it was out there on DVD, like it was DVD only, and um, like it, people bought it, people watched it. I bought it, I had it, and I I watched it, and I just um, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it hit DVD release, and then I turned around and sold I, my DVD. It's going for like I thought that was the shallows. No, this is forty-seven meters down. Oh, okay. I made like a hundred bucks off the DVD. It was great. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I sold it after. I was like, oh shit, this movie is not very good. Anyway, yeah, well, it was that's, just, that's more than just, I thought I would talk about 47 meters down. But if they would have fixed a few technical things like that, it would be just kind of a B shark movie. I would can kind of just settle back and be entertained, you know, but, Man, um, in it. I couldn't complain. <laughs> what's that? So any more was in it. So I didn't complain. Oh, okay. So, I mean, everyone's trying so hard, but like nobody went to the director and went, Hey, how is everyone? How are they communicating with everybody? Yeah. Like there's a microphone in the mask that you see, but there's no way they could hear anything because they would just hear water. They would, all they would hear would be like that. That's all they would hear. Really, really good. That's really good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then there's a weird twist at the end, which they could have left out because the fake ending is fantastic. And then there's a stupid twist. So I don't, man, I don't remember this movie at all. Actually, now that we're talking about it. Yeah. I, you know, whatever. I'm looking at the release dates. All right, Brad, what you got? Oh, oh, I didn't know I was going. Um, so, oh, we'll skip you and then go to Stephanie. How's that? So I watch um, – <laughs> here, let, let me pick something good. So I have a lot of stuff. Um, I know. So I watched uh, – this company releases some interesting films. Um, but I watched um, Curse – or yeah, wait. No, this is The Night of the Scorpion. This company is Dorado Films. Um, they do legit releases. Everything's pressed. Um, they have you know little booklets with their films. Um, but it's one of those companies that you can only get it through their website, kind of like uh, Code Red and everything like that. Um, Aren't but, they uh, doing some stuff with Mondo Macabre right now? They are? Well, I thought they had like a little releasing deal but i'm not sure oh that now be... that you don't know about it i'm second guessing it <laughs> well no i don't know everything um so uh this is all region disc which is uh pretty cool but this company has existed for a little bit they've done a lot of like dvds and um you know i have a couple of their westerns and stuff like that so they had um this uh, the night of the scorpion is the type movie i'm trying to talk about here but i keep on getting sidetracked because i was trying to look at the yeah so this is um yeah all region uh this was released this year it's it's an interesting movie um and 
you know, they it looks like with this film they found the best print they could and they released it from that. Um which it's uh it's pretty, you know, banged up and stuff like that. But um it's a kind of a oh kind of a giallo esque uh spin. Um it's more on the sexy slow thriller side rather than you know kind of the murderous side it's um uh but anyways it's it's really odd it's a it's because it's it's just oddly paced but then once our killer kind of shows up then it picks up a tiny bit and does kind of the more giallo-esque thing but it takes a little while to get there but um, you know, I was pleasantly surprised with it because, like I said, it's you know it's one of those companies that's kind of comes out of nowhere. But um, you know, they have uh, you know, de- decent decent transfer of their of the print that they had because I've never heard of this movie um, uh, before before they released it. I skipped over it in apparently it's in uh, Troy Howarth's uh, Giallo book, so deadly, so perverse, um, which I guess I skimmed over it or it just didn't stand out for me but um yeah it's 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 a it's a fun slow giallo um so if you have the extra dough and if you're uh kind of a giallo completionist i suggest picking it up um but yeah it's it's pressed i know with a lot of these smaller companies that don't that aren't on amazon that have high priced blu-rays um, because it is more on the expensive side unless they're doing a sale. But, I mean, it's a legit. It has a booklet. It has a press disc. It's uh, all regions. So they definitely have their shit together. So um, pick it up if you are a fan. They also have some other cool, like, westerns. And I think they have a Jess Franco collection, which I picked up, too, that I will talk about um, soon enough. So nice. highly suggest it for people that like that type of shit, for sure. Like it's totally up up people's alleys if they're really into um, kind of giallos. That's not Fox with the Velvet Tail. So <laughs> hey, because uh, it's, it's it's very reminiscent to the kind of that that storytelling, okay. but there's actually a killer involved. You know, upside down kissing. No, no upside down kissing, oh. but there's some weird relationship. Uh, stuff. That's why I was going kind of slow because I didn't want to spo- be too spoilery about that. So I was like stumbling over my words, and I was like, okay. maybe I should talk about the plot, about the weird, like uh, sexy thing that's happening. But uh, just leave that to your imagination and get ready because I don't want to be too spoilery because it's one of those films that I guarantee you, like only maybe zero percent of our listeners have actually seen. It's like because I was looking up the history; it's super rare. Okay. So, um, you know, it's probably one of those films that somebody in the company saw. It was like, wow, no one else is going to go after this shit. So cool. Because I think it's lost film. So, okay. Hey, Stephanie, what was the, the film you mentioned after Brad talking about the David Lynch doc? I'm trying to keep a list and I did not jot it down. And, uh, the hidden, the hidden. That's right. Okay. Duh. I paid that hide from you, Sean. Uh, good Lord. It'll be okay. We'll get through this together. Why didn't you laugh at Steph's joke? <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Oh, don't give me a pity laugh. That's worse. <laughs> I missed it. I, I, because it went over my head. Probably. 
it went over my head. It's okay. Well, I almost asked Brad if he's seen Dial M for murderousness, but I think I've done enough Troy McClure (laughs) quotes in this episode. Okay, so do I need to go? (laughs) Yes. Do I need to talk? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I watched this last night. This is another one that kind of, this is another blind buy. It's from Kino. I've been having a too much fun with their sales. Um, has anyone seen Heart of Midnight? Heart no, of Midnight. Not um, yet. I feel like I bought it and haven't watched it yet. Okay. It stars Jennifer Jason Lee. I oh, oh my god, Jennifer Jason Lee. Bone town. <laughs> yeah, Bone yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. 1989 Jennifer Jason Lee. Oh. Uh, Peter Coyote. Um, Frank Stallone pops up. Didn't see that coming. And a really early Steve Buscemi role. Yeah. (laughs) This is a very strange film. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character, uh, she has an uncle. He uh, owned a really crazy whorehouse. Uh, He died and left it to her. She wants to turn into kind of a classy cabaret nightclub. And she runs into trouble with the dudes who are working there. They don't take her seriously. Um, And she gets uh, sexually assaulted. And because she has um, a history with uh, mental health, she's not taken seriously. Uh, This is where Frank Stallone comes in. And, you know, it starts out, you kind of think it's going to be one of those, like, late 80s, early 90s kind of... uh, you know, late night adult thrillers. Uh, but then when it takes the turn at sexual violence, you're like, oh, ooh, okay. And then it gets very nightmarish, uh, very strange, uh, really patchwork, uh, kind of going uh, into the mind of an unreliable narrator. We don't know who to trust. And it just gets darker and darker and darker. And it's just... <laughs> At the at the end of it, um, I'm glad I saw it because it's very original. Uh, but wow, <laughs> it's, uh, like if if I could personify a movie, this one is just careening into different hotel rooms, and there's something fucked up going up and <laughs> going on in every single room. It's like, oh, okay, I'll grab something from here. Oh, okay, over here. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee is great in it. It's a really complex, weird role they gave her, and mm-hmm. she's wonderful. Um, yeah, it's 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 a corker. Uh, make sure you're kind of prepared for it if you do end she, up watching it. She is in some hard to swallow films. Like she always ends up, you know, in, especially around that time. I feel like she ended up in some like really good films, and but then she took on some like really hard to swallow subjects and or, mm-hmm. I don't know, just really darker and weird. Like she was always kind of, which end up in those. And she was of course, one of those actresses I always would want to, you know, see her films. So yeah. You want to hear something really fucked up? Okay. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen this movie since I was like eight. eight. Oh boy. Yeah. So yeah, here's the story behind that fun little story. <laughs> so when Steph mentioned it, I, the title didn't ring a bell, but I wa- I looked up, and I saw the, the you know the poster. So um, every once in a while, uh, you know, I would see these like you know um, kind of sexy uh, covers 
when I was younger at the video store. And, you know, I couldn't rent them because my mom would went to the video store with me and, you know, she wanted to rent horror and stuff like that. Is everybody still there? Yeah. So yep. no Jennifer Jason Lee in the latex oh. dress smoking. Oh, it like, <laughs> was super, like, like dangerously quiet there for a second. So um, I'm, I'm just, have I'm, I'm I'm just dangerously quiet. <laughs> so um i would see, i would see these covers like uh you know the cover to two moon two moon junction yeah. to after dark my sweet to heart of midnight to the movie called horror like i would see um see those covers and be like oh man i want to rent that movie so bad it's got probably boobs in it and stuff <laughs> so uh when we would go to ohio um my parents and my uh grandmothers would go to bingo like all night bingo escapades and not get back till 2 a.m so my grandpa would take me to the video store um so i would track down these movies and rent them with him because he didn't ever look at the covers or anything he was old and he didn't really give a shit and he's out of his mind so i could rent some of these movies and watch them and that's one of the movies that i watched when i was very very young it probably explains a lot <laughs> yeah uh, that I think it does. i'm old and it was a little intense for me yeah so i because i remember watching like i rented i remember the night i watched horror and i was like oh, oh my god i can't even believe they actually got away with calling a movie called horror but um anyways it's uh oh i thought you were saying horror but no no, you were saying whore okay yeah (laughs) w-h-o-r-e yeah i think Teresa russell's in it um because she's in the hidden right or is that the no that's the girl that looks like Teresa russell do you guys want to hear roger ebert's review of heart of midnight uh yeah this is march 3rd 1989 he gave it two and a half stars So he says, Heart of Midnight is a horror film that descends into the depths of bizarre sexual behavior for no better reason than to see what it will find there. It finds a lot. (laughs) Wow. So what what I love about, um, and we need to get back to this, like it's a two paragraph review and like everyone thinks they need to like write these big long reviews of these films and everything. Like we need to take some some lessons from Roger Ebert. Just two two lines, movie. two lines can get me to watch a movie. Just it needs yeah. to be the right lines. Yeah. So. Always go for it. <laughs> Very nice. Anything so. else about uh, Heart of Midnight? Um, I I was doing something right after the movie, so I turned the commentary on for like ten minutes. And the little I heard was the the director uh, apologizing for his choices, mainly like, oh, this is kind of obvious. And Peter Coyote saying, yeah, this is pretty obvious, man. (laughs) So I feel like it's a good commentary from the little I heard. I I love it when commentaries get like they're just, you know, totally candid about everything. I I, I love it. And they don't they don't you know, they don't really care to gloss over things. All right. Um, I got around to finally watching uh, The Unholy. Oh. I saw your tweet Mm -hmm. about that. Now, um, as my tweet said, please, more religious fantasy horror all the time, please. Like, 
that's what I love the most out of this film because it's there's it's a priest who's kind of battling his own inner demons a little bit. Um, as uh, of course every movie that has a priest, he's kind of battling his own demons with his faith because you know uh, they're repressed. They uh, you know give up having sex, and that's always a big deal. But this is directed by Camilo Villa. Mm. Ruben Rabasa as Father Dennis. Um, there's some other character actors that show up in this that uh, I can't find their names right now. I'm not. Oh, Ned. Hal Davies. Halbrook. Hal Halbrook. Yes. Um, Ooh, and uh, it, it's it's pretty great. Um, the creature effects towards the end are inspired, like. You know they tried really hard to do it. <laughs> I and, always love a question mark at the end of that. You know that they are inspired by like Queen Alien. You know, uh, you need a big monster. And uh, when you, I watch some of the special features, and it turns out that's exactly what happened. The the special effects um, guy, I can't remember his name right now, but he was inspired a lot by you know the Howling and Rick Baker and and all these guys. And he kind of you know, said he can do everything, but he was more experienced in makeup, but he got the gig and he was kind of being there. It was a bigger budget horror film. Like the studio was giving him a lot of money for the special effects, but they didn't really know what they were doing. (laughs) So I wonder what it would be like in the hands of a more experienced, you know, special effects and puppeteer and, you know, uh, uh, what we would see, you know, but it's, 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 it's pretty funny once you get to the, that, that aspect of the film. Um, but I, you know, this movie has like atmosphere and spades. Like I love the practical effects, you know, of just like a ground covered in fog, um, that the church, like the ground is all covered in fog inside the church and it just looks really cool. Like there's a lot of stuff you'd see today that would just be CG, but there's, you know, there's just that, you know, extra level of knowing that it's, it's practical, but, um, this movie has a lot of, a lot of atmosphere. Uh, it gets balls to the wall, crazy, bad shit, crazy in the end, which is always my cup of tea with these films. Um, but, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, who is the guy that plays the strip, like the satanic strip club owner? Um, he has a, he has a, they wake up in like a bed with like, um, there's a few just, my daughter just walked in. So now I got to censor myself. Dear God almighty. <laughs> See, I, um, I, I, <laughs> anyway, he's pretty, he's pretty great. The whole like, you know, satanic strip club is just beautifully, beautifully realized exactly what you would think it would be. Um, this movie's a lot of fun. Didn't, I mean, I can tell they used an HD master. I was hoping it would look a little better. Um, but I totally saw Brad, what you always bring up with these Vestron video. I saw uh, it here and, well, uh, yeah, I wish it would actually, look a little better, but, uh, I don't mean to shit on your parade. Oh man. Okay. But I think the unholy was actually a scan of the inner positive. Oh really? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. It but, looked okay, but it, it didn't. It, yeah, it looks cool. okay. But I, I will say for anybody that is really looking into the unholy, like it's fine, but it's totally worth it for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> That's the um, oh man. Amazing. Like, don't name me by Vestron. My, my, <laughs> my sexual orientation is basically the last 15 minutes <laughs> of, of the unholy. Um, what it's like for a night in the bedroom with me is the last wow. 15 minutes of the unholy. <laughs> <laughs> the 
So, so you, yeah, that, okay, all right. So, yeah, if you want to know, man, what was Brad like as a lover? A lot of tongue, a lot of big, disgusting tongue. Apparently, <laughs> the last fifteen minutes is definitely, definitely a, a, a sex, sexy night with Brad Henderson. So, <laughs> I love, that's fantastic. I don't. I really don't like the unholy, but the last like fifteen twenty minutes of that movie are absolutely amazing. They're in it to because win it, man. They they just, just just put this all like, on screen. I feel like as filmmakers, they filmed it in sequence, yeah. and then at the end, they were like, "Wait a second, we haven't done anything in this entire movie." <laughs> and they're like, "How much money do we have left over? About twenty million dollars. What should we do with it? Let's just pour it all into just crazy fucking shit." And that's what they did. I mean, as obviously, I need it. Doctors, but it was, um, I, I can't, like, I sweat at the end of that movie because I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, this was insane. <laughs> Why didn't they make the whole movie like this? Uh, it could have been so upbeat and fun. Oh, but the beginning is pretty awesome, though, where the guy, the, the guy dude gets his, like, throat ripped out or whatever. I mean, the, I it, mean, it, it has guy, its moments for sure. You didn't even but talk for about, me, the like, about how it's, people are killing priests and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it's like a serial killer of these killing these priests, and yeah, the, the kills are fine, but you have no idea that movie is going into that direction for the last fifteen minutes. Like I can't, you can't even <laughs> spoil it if you explained it. Like you have I to like see that. it. I like, like that. I can give you a play by play the last fifteen minutes, and you still are like, wait a second, <laughs> what? Like that actually happens? So yeah, yeah it's 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 totally worth it. Um, <laughs> So, uh, Sean, have you seen the convent? The convent. Okay, I, Adrian I Barbeau I on a motorcycle oh killing neon <laughs> zombie nuns. No, dear God Almighty, okay. give me yeah, the convent. <laughs> it's actually like from like like early two thousand. Yeah, two thousand on the dot. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay, wish list is happening now. Yeah, it's uh, it's really fucking fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. added to my list. Dear God. Okay, Brad, what do you got? Um, I have. Let's see. I guess I'll talk about this because I was so blown away by it. Um, so it's actually I watched it last night. So I got around to watching uh, a ghost story, which I was uh, mm. very in, like I had a high anticipation to watch just because, um, you know, I heard it was shot by the guy that did um, uh, did uh, the DP work for your next and uh, BHS. But people are like saying this is visually stunning. And I was like, well, those movies look fine. Well, your next looks fine. Um, your BHS is kind of I, yes. I don't know what I don't I don't know what segment he did. I don't know what segment he did. I didn't look into it. So, um, oh, that shaky camera work is amazing. It was probably Adam Adam Winger's um, uh, portion. So, anyways, um, you know, uh, and also with the recent thing of like Casey Affleck, I was like, you know, fuck this guy. But I still, I, I'm still gonna watch movies. Like, I'm not gonna be on this fucking tirade of like giving. Up well, movies. a movie is a a, a, a movie is a, a bigger animal than just one person in the movie. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, that's you, you got to kind of approach movies that way because you can't shit on yeah. everyone else's hard work based off one person. Well, I mean, and if you really want to get into it, wait till they actually just start ousting everybody that's a sexual predator. Watch out, everybody. <laughs> and you're not going to have anything. So nope. anyways, but fuck Casey Affleck. But anyways, <laughs> um, so this uh, in movies, 
it, it, this movie is absolutely amazing. Did you eat some um, pie while watch, you watched it? No, no, I didn't. I didn't eat any pie, but I love that sequence so much. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, you know, I think the 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 quote that's pulled from uh, Time Out New York that's on the front of this it's it's lovely, mysterious, and cosmic, and I think that's the best way to sum up this movie. Uh, this movie's about um, uh, loneliness. It's about um, it's it's about it's about love. It, it's uh, it's just it's 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 so much emotion that's piled into this film, and I'm guessing that you saw it, Sean, since you mentioned the pie scene. Okay, so you're not here. Um, but anyways, uh, is anybody here? I'm here. Okay. Not Fuck that I on. count. Uh, well, oh, sorry, no, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry, I had myself muted. Uh, so did you see Ghost Story since you mentioned the pie scene? No, I have not. It's 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 on my pile to watch. I'm going to watch it soon. But I've, I've heard about that pie scene. Like, yeah. like, everyone guys. talks about the pie scene. Yeah. So um, it's 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 a basic basic story. I mean, it's it's not, nothing, you know, uh, you know, groundbreaking as far as uh, uh, you know a, a plot. It's basically a, a a man and woman who are madly in love, and he passes away, and he comes back as a white sheeted ghost, um, and uh, follows his uh, you know his wife around. Um, so in order to kind of get that on screen, if someone told me the plot of a ghost story, I would laugh um, because it's borderline comedic when – that's why I think so great about the film is that even it's this white-sheeted ghost and the ghost can communicate but it's through subtitles. Um, at, it's almost borderline laughter but they never – they never get that for being goofy. Like it's so serious and so heartfelt that it works. Um, you know, and I, I was thinking back, like how else would you tell a story? Cause if you had like a pale Casey Affleck, it wouldn't work. If you had nothing right there, it wouldn't work. Um, you know, so having just someone throw a sheet over their head, um, it works. And there's a reason for the sheet too. Like I thought that was pretty clever. Cause I was like, wait, is it supposed to be a ghost? But there's a reason why the sheet is actually on, on him to begin with. Um, but, uh, it's, it's very, it's just, it has so much to digest. Like I'm still digesting it because, uh, number, number one, it's just, it's beautifully shot. It's, it's absolutely breathtaking. Um, the sequences, um, you know, the tracking shots that are done in the film, um, just the setups, uh, you know, just setting the camera up and just filming. Um, the lighting is absolutely outstanding. Uh, Bria Grant actually shows up, which was a, a nice little surprise. I didn't know she was in the film. Um, but anyways, uh, just very emotion, uh, very, very, so much emotion in the film, um, for watching it as, as the characters, um, you know, digest what is happening, what they're going through. And, um, for even as the viewer, um, just dealing with watching this sense of loneliness because it starts to make you really think about life after death, whether you're religious or not, 
you know, um, and there isn't kind of a religious factor to the film either, which I think I was able to um, connect a little bit better with it, which I'm not a religious person in the slightest. So um, I always think about death. Death really, really scares me quite a bit because I try to think like, is it just like a light turns off? Is that what we have? Or do we actually have this wandering around? Do we actually have a spirit? Is there really a heaven and I'm going to hell? That type of thing. Like I really think about that a lot um, in, in my life. So when I watch something like this, it connects to me on uh, many different levels rather than just watching a movie. It really starts – my gears start to grind up upstairs like, man, like yeah. is, is this what it's like? For people, is this what happens? Um, That's why I've avoided this for so long because I'm like, uh, yeah. If you're, if if you're, if you have something, uh, if you know, because we know that energy exists in the world. Like, uh, there's energy around. Like when when people, um, if you're with a group of friends and someone comes in and you know you could feel the hostility like you could feel that energy like there is energy in in um with people in the or around them you know this is the same thing if you're having a fun day at work and then Debbie Downer comes in mm-hmm. you can actually have this very like this shift you can feel it like you're a you know you could feel that uh you know it's like if you're in um you know, fucking target or something. And, and, uh, with me, this is how I am. Like if someone's at the counter in front of me yelling at an employee about something and it's getting really like, you know, the guy's being very boisterous and voicing his opinion very loudly. I start to get uncomfortable because that energy's pouring. Like if energy is so strong between people and, and, and love, um, which I mean, you know, there's undying love for certain things. Like, can that keep us? Like, is there, is there something here that we're able to, you know, um, that comes out of us that still stays there? I know that's getting really deep on a review of a movie, but <laughs> that's how I felt when I'm watching a ghost story because it really connected with me because I feel like this is something that, um, you know, could or could not happen. Like it's very plausible to me. Um, and also then it starts to really weigh on you is like, do you want that life after death in some aspect? Um, like, do you want to be alone? Do you want to just be there and now no one actually be able to talk to you or, uh, see you? Um, yeah, like it just really gets to you. So uh, it's it's a it's a wonderful movie. It's uh, it's very um, it, it's what you expect. I, I think that like the director said the uh, screenplay was only twenty pages long, and the only reason why it's twenty pages long is because there's actually one scene where a guy talks for about ten minutes, and that's the only dialogue really in the film. Um, it's completely told uh, just w- wandering around, hmm. but so much. It, it really shows you that this is by the guy that directs Pete's Dragon, if that tells you anything. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So this is his uh, – he filmed this movie for like $100,000. And he kept it a secret when he was filming Pete's Dragon apparently because like you know he had a big multimillion-dollar movie. And then he had this on the side. Um, but it really shows you that uh, you can tell so much in a story by camera work, by direction – by cinematography that you don't need to have dialogue. Dialogue's fun. Characterization's fun. But you can tell a story um, 
completely by just visuals and and you uh you you spend so little time with these two characters but they're on screen time that you're with them um you can you know with the minimal dialogue that they have i mean there are flashbacks throughout the film but you can feel that um chemistry between them which i i really enjoyed so if you want to maybe have your heart ripped out and then stepped on and then you know kissed and caressed and put back in <laughs> and then ripped out again and so on and so forth uh watch a ghost story because it's uh it's definitely one of those films that's um may hit my top 10 i don't know it it really hit me pretty hard i was very pleasantly surprised but it's it's one of those films that hits all levels um as far as in it's and there are some really like scary type moments in it uh, as far as like a, a horror film um but it also has the comedy it has the drama um, complete sadness to complete happiness. Like it's, um, it's all over the place. So, uh, highly suggest it for, you know, everybody watch it with a personal shopper. I think it's a, it's a perfect, the perfect film to go along with personal shopper because it hits those same kind of emotions. And, um, you know, I know it's both kind of ghost stories, but two different ghost stories told from two different point of views, from two different, like two different aspects of, of, of filmmaking. Um, so yeah. But anyways, awesome. Steph. Oh, wow. I remembered. Thank you. I was going to quit, but now I guess I won't. Okay. Um, I'm not going to talk about a specific movie. Um, I just thought I'd do like a quick little overview of the George Romero box that just okay. came out from Arrow, uh, the Between Night and Dawn. Uh, oh, just yeah. to <laughs> say, I, I highly recommend it. Uh, I know some people were being a little snooty about it because they're waiting for you know, like amazing releases of Dawn and everything. Um, but if you're a fan of his or if you just like to explore more of his career, uh, this is a wonderful set. Um, if And if you get the box set that's out right now, here, I'll knock on it. I love yeah. those arrow boxes. Yeah, um, they're really great. The booklet has uh, essays, and two of them are by two of my favorite genre writers, uh, Kat Ellinger and Heather Drain. Uh, which is exciting, uh, but we have Season of the Witch. There's always Vanilla and the Crazies. Uh, the only really more traditional horror one is the Crazies. Yeah. And I, I'm a big fan of that one. I like to do a double feature uh, with Cronenberg's Rabid with that one. That's always a good night. Um, yeah, they have great restorations, but the grain is still intact. Um, I watched Season of the Witch the other night, uh, and it, it looked great. It was beautiful, but still looked like it's from the 70s, which is and nice. And it's a super underrated movie, too. Like, it is, yeah. I think it throws people off kind of like uh, Matt Simber's The Witch Who Came From the Sea, where you kind of see the mm. title and the poster and you expect. Uh, one thing and get another but yeah. yeah it was a very emotionally intelligent movie uh, about relationships and everything and it has uh, the longer cut of the film it's like two hours right yeah 104 minutes and um, they it's 104 uh, yes yeah, the extended version oh see I thought the longer version was um 
I thought it was two hours long. No, the regular cuts 90 minutes. But... Oh, wow. Okay. And I uh, watched uh, on the same disc, there's a conversation with Guillermo del Toro interviewing Romero in February of 2016. So it was fairly recent. It's a great conversation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you're a fan, you probably have this or it's on your wish list. And I'd like to reassure you, uh, this is a beautiful, comprehensive release. They all have commentaries. And if you've been curious, um, just as long as you go in uh, not expecting <laughs> um, a blank of the dead film, um, it's just it, it's a wonderful exploration in, into some of his lesser seen yeah. films. I, I'm bummed it didn't include uh, Martin. And I don't know well, where the yeah, rights are definitely. with that one or the elements, but Martin would be any, I mean, that just needs a, uh, a Blu-ray, Blu-ray release anyway, but, um, but yeah, people were making, were, were complaining about that, but no, I, I got this set too. I got it from, uh, I bought it from the UK. I, I, I know it was released in UK and US, but, uh, I bought Same it from the here. UK to yeah. save like 15 bucks or something like that. It was yeah, cheaper I used to my get arrow it from the UK. Oh, yeah, okay, the awesome. UK release is a uh, region zero. So even if you don't have an all-region player, uh, yeah, you can open yep. them. Yeah, mine's lost in the mail, but I mean, I've seen I've seen all the films because I have. Um, do I still have my? No, I think I got rid of that the other day. But I have. Um, I had season season of the witch on um, on DVD, and um, that actually included. Uh, There's always vanilla. Uh, on it, and of course, the crazies have been on Blu-ray. But um, yeah, I'm not a fan of the crazies. Um, I've given it a few shots. I used to like it a little bit more when I was younger, but the times that I've rewatched it, I'm just not not much into it anymore. But Season of the Witch is definitely one of those Romero films that, um, you know, R- Romero is really great at horror because he has so much social commentary in his films and he's able to get so much across um telling the horror horror story as well telling another story through characterization and it's really unique watching like two i mean season of the witch is horror related but um there's always vanilla and season of the witch are very, very characterized films as far as like, um, you know, just storytelling and without kind of the horror elements. So it, it just really shows that Romero is a, like, he really was a truly great screenwriter um, because he knew what he was doing. He knew what he wanted. And I think that's why his films were so successful. I think we look at him like, oh, that's, you know, the guy that made those zombie movies. And, you know, he, he has some really great great films um, as far as like horror movies, but there's just so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was a filmmaker that, um, that had some balls he wasn't afraid um, to do what he thought um, was right. I guess like you should, you could say, or um, he wasn't afraid to push the, the envelope as far as like, just, um, you know, I mean, having having just take Night of the Living Dead. I mean, is 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 right out of the gate his first feature, um, casting a black man as the lead who hits a white woman uh, in the film, um, and also 
uh, battles a white guy and kills him. Mm. Uh, you know, and it's just, and it's really, it's like, man, in 1968, seeing that on the screen, as a big as of a movie as Night of the Living Dead was, that's some heavy shit. Like, Romero was not afraid to to do that. And, you know, and then his follow-up films are, you know, there's always Vanilla and Season the Witch was, um, was just, fuck, you know, just a different, just a different direction for him. And then he got back onto the horror with, you know, the crazies and then Martin and then Knight Riders and then Dawn. But yeah, just a truly great filmmaker all around. So cool. I can't wait to dive in this set. Yeah, mine's lost in the mail, but damn it. We'll, we'll see it. Uh, I mean, I've seen the films, but I kind of want to see there's always vanilla in HD because it's always had a really shitty DVD. Uh, like I said, it was a combo on that DVD and it's just really yeah. shitty quality. Yeah. So, well, all right. We uh, need to wrap up. So this is an almost two hour what's on your doorstep segment. So I think uh we're gonna we're gonna try to see if we you know maybe we do one of these every other week or I don't know. We're gonna fit we're messing around trying to you know, we're experimenting with some things for next year. Um we're gonna be redoing kind of the Patreon. Um I know that we haven't been able to do the extra shows like we've wanted to. It's tough. Scheduling's tough, we're busy. We all do this as a hobby. So if you want to pitch in for Patreon, that's awesome. Awesome. We're really not going to be bugging everyone about about that, but we will be revamping it for sure. Um, and so more details on that as we kind of uh, retool it. But um, we just got a new patron, so thank you. Um, I should have this up. I just got the email, and I'm. And uh, I'm waiting for things to load. Uh, Carolyn Crawford, thank you for becoming a new. That's my patron. mom. Is it your mom? <laughs> it's your mom, <laughs> Stephanie's mom. Everybody, <laughs> thank Stephanie's you. mom. Thank you so much. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, so anyway, more more info about that. Um, just my my schedule is crazy. We've, we're going to be taking January off to kind of retool uh, the show a little bit and uh, come back with something that works for all of our schedules. So anyway, um, we'd love to hear from you guys. If you guys have any suggestions for the Patreon and things like that, um, that'd be great. We'd, I mean, we'd love to keep doing the extra shows, but it's, just, it's tough. My schedule's tough. Brad, I mean, there's the time difference to do an, another show each week kind of gets a bit, you know, tricky, but Anyway, um, please support our sponsors, Vinegar Syndrome, of course. We'll be doing a Vinegar Syndrome episode very soon. My dog, hey, you little shit. My dog's attacking a Coke Zero uh, 12-pack. It's like the last real one. Real Coke Zero? Yeah, real Coke Zero. It's like I, oh, I have like the last 24-pack in existence. Um. Gonna shout out to Coffee Shop of Whores. Please support them. They have some products. Uh, of the month, they are doing um, a ten uh, percent discount on Clarence hot chocolate, which is brew coffee uh, V for vanilla cinnamon, <laughs> and then Kill Devil Rumble. Um, those flavors are on sale. So, my dog, uh, Grindhouse Video, of course, check them out. GrindhouseVideo.com. Music by Wolfman of Mars and Art by Kevin Spencer and Ink Spatters.
Okay. Are you done? All right. Uh, I thank all you guys for listening. We'll be back next time. We're, we're trying to organize our next few shows. We want to be, we're trying to get the director of the barn. Um, and we, of course we have our vinegar syndrome, uh, episode that we will be lining up to do as well. And then we have other things, other goodies, uh, to get to as well. So thank you everyone for listening. Brad and Steph, do you have anything to add to my spiel? Uh, is that no. Noah? Noah is in the room now too, and two dogs. Yay! Everybody. It wouldn't be a screamcast if I was not consistently interrupted. <laughs> I like it. All right, all right. Yeah, well, Steph was going to say something. She's got okay, something Steph. to add. Steph, oh well, yeah, just thank you for listening, and we we do really appreciate feedback. And um, big shout out to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Let's and see you, if my uh, mom can be a Patreon. Stephanie, you have a review of Thelma um, up on the site. So everyone, please check that out yep. at thescreamcast.com. All of our social media links are all there as well. Please subscribe to the show on oneofus.net. Support oneofus.net if you can. Um, we do have our iTunes and Google Play and all that kind of stuff. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and all that. All right. I'm going to go before more people end up in my room. Cool. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right. See you. Bye. Bye. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun. Oh.